Hi everyone, thanks for tuning back into Diz Nerds. Again, I'm Sydney. I'm Blaine. And our guest we have here with us today is our great friend Deborah. Say hi, Deborah. Hey. Let's get started. All right, Sydney. Anything exciting that you got for me today? What are we going to cover? Well, this segment we are going to be covering Beauty and the Beast and some conspiracy theories that go with that wonderful timeless classic. Ooh, Beauty and the Beast. That sounds pretty good. Are we talking about the animated version or the live action version? Well, the theory I'm going to be covering actually kind of ties into both. All right, Cindy, who do you want to start, to me or you? Well, for the big reveal, I think we should toss a coin. Oh, the big reveal? The big reveal. It's time for the big reveal? It's time for the big reveal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> big reveal. Okay, great. Ladies first, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, Cindy, my topic today for Beauty and the Beast, I'm going to cover a theory that talks about the beast doesn't exist. What? I know, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Here's what it says. It's talking about how similar the Beast and Gaston are in the beginning of the movie, you know, being kind of violent and brash and boastful. In those ways, they say that they're so similar that it's almost like Belle creates an imagination of what Gaston is. And it's like a dream, and she uses that dream as a metaphor to find the prince within him. I can't wait to hear what Deborah has to say about that theory. My theory is a little bit different and kind of ties over with both the movie and the animated film. So my theory touches on the town and why the town doesn't know that there's a castle a stone throw away or why they're still the same age when the curse is broken. That's really interesting, actually, because my theory also mentions that. Also talks about the fact that they're, the villagers don't really know that there's a castle so close to them. Exactly, and that goes back to the fact that the Enchantress, when she cast the curse, must have also pushed that curse onto the townspeople. Oh, okay. If you look at all the characters from the time they're cursed, by the time the curse is broken, none of them have aged at all. Chip is still a little boy... The prince is still a handsome young prince. Mrs. Potts is still a mom that's not an old lady, grandmother age. Well, if you look at when the castle servants and everybody are turned back into their human form, their ages fit perfectly into the ages of the townspeople. So my theory that I found is that the townspeople also were underneath the curse. So not only were they cursed to forget about the castle, but they were cursed to not age at all. And that's why Maurice and Belle are such oddballs, because they didn't move to the village until after the curse took place. So because of that, the townspeople are going practically through the same day over and over and over again, and that's why when you see in the movie, Belle knows exactly where to walk without looking. She knows Mm -hmm. exactly what's going to be on the baker's tray. She is scorned for being an oddball and learning to read and the only one changing and evolving over time because she and her father are the only ones who aren't under the curse right because they moved to that town after the curse had already taken place they're not affected by it exactly which is also why at the end of the movie when the curse is broken the townspeople and the servants when they turn back into their normal human forms fit perfectly back together and are able to resume their lives without missing any time with their loved ones. That's the theory I found. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, it's a lot. That's pretty cool. So do you want to bet on it? Let's bet on it. 
Sydney, can you explain to Deborah what our bet on it section is? So our bet on it section is where we actually talk, discuss, and break down the theories that we brought to the table. We want to know if we believe these theories or it's just there's no way. There's no way that Disney would possibly put that into their universe. Let's start with the theory about the beast not existing. Would you bet on that, Deborah? Oh, I so want to. Like, with my background in psychology, I would love to bet on that theory. But I don't know if Disney would really go with something like that. It's too intricate. And Disney is indeed intricate, but it's too intricate in the most adult way. Okay, Deborah, explain that. Why do you think it's too intricate for Disney to do that? Because it deals with trauma and mental health. Oh, okay. So Disney often deals with trauma, but on a smaller scale because we see, you know, loss of a loved one, loss of a dream, but it doesn't often delve into the area of mental health unless they're just labeling a villain crazy. And so this would be too intricate of a storyline for what Disney usually does in their uh, family movies and family cartoons, their animated uh, stuff. I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that mental health is a very controversial topic, and it covers a lot of, um, honestly, and sometimes some places, dark areas where most kind of like people who are writing a movie and putting that out there to kids wouldn't really want to go. So that, that definitely has some merit to it. But you also got to think about the fact that one of the biggest controversies of this film, although it is a classic, is the fact that many professionals in the psychology world and field and everything strongly believe that Belle is a victim of Stockholm Syndrome, which is when you fall in love with your captor. When the captive falls in love right. with the captor. Right, which is not necessarily the right thing. No, it's definitely not, but it's also considered a form of mental unhealth. Mental unhealth. Yeah. Mental unhealth. Yeah. Which which is true, but that can be said about uh, most are each princess in a sense. That the longer you stay around their prince, they fall in love with them. Even with Jasmine and Aladdin, like he was kind of shady and he lied a lot. And she still, after being around him for a while, his charm got the best of her. So, yeah... Love stories are fairy tales often have flawed uh, storylines when it comes to authenticity and love. They just kind of glaze over a lot of realism. So, of course, someone who is a professional in the field of psychology would look at that and be like, this fairy tale shows signs of an individual who in real life would be experiencing Stockholm Syndrome. But I don't think that Disney would purposefully put that there. I think that's just kind of one of the fatal flaws of most fairy tale romances. I definitely agree. Disney, I have a very hard time seeing them purposely put that into it. It's just very interesting the different things everyone picks out of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, start picking it apart. Right. I, I, truthfully, I think the series is actually pretty, pretty. I think it could be a thing. I hate it. <laughs> Why do you hate it? <laughs> because it completely takes away the wonderful story of Beauty and the Beast, which is one I don't I, know. Which has always been one of my favorites. To then sit back and realize the beast that you've come to love over the years is not real at all. Just it makes a person sad. But like it kind of then makes you think that Gaston is not that bad, right? I don't know. Gaston's just a jerk. 
Is it Gaston or? It's Gaston. 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 Yeah. I've been you saying like it pretty weird. It weird. Yeah, I've been trying to like <laughs> say it like within like the, it's the European like. It would be Gaston. Gaston. Not, you're like, it sounds like you're saying a pastry. A it's pastry. Okay. What Americans, am I saying? What am I saying? Say it however we want. Gaston. That's true. Gaston. Ha ha. Perfect. Croissant. Gaston. 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 Gas. Gas. Ton. Gaston. Gaston. Okay, the gas is on. Yep, drive a car. Okay. I would honestly love for this theory to be true, though. Like, if someone remade, well, they they always remake Disney movies, but if someone remade it, like, geared more t- towards, like, adult viewers, I think this would be an amazing storyline. Because, yeah, I can see how it would somehow take some of the romantic magic away in, like, the ditzy sense. But I think it makes it more tangible in the sense that she's in a situation she doesn't necessarily enjoy. Mm-hmm. She thinks that he's this beast of a person, just like she thought that beast was a horrible creature. But through breaking down his walls and helping him face his own personal trauma, he becomes a better person. She is able to see that better person, and they're able to start a relationship together. So if that theory is true, then in the end, Gaston, whatever trauma that he had experienced, he faces, he overcomes, and he is able to become a man worthy of like being married to her and loving her. So it still has a happy ending. It would just be more realistic in the sense of she yeah. gave herself this illusion to help cope with her situation, but in the yeah, end, it right. still had a happy ending. Right. I mean, you know, I mentioned before about Maurice, her father, you know, Belle's father. He kind of married her into this relationship, and it was kind of more his choice. It also really talks about how, like, he spoke fondly of Gaston. 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 The, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he spoke fondly of Gaston in the beginning of the movie and actually kind of, like, was saying in the sort of way that, you know, Belle should be with him. Until he tried to kill him, but, right. you know. But then it also it also talks about how, like, it says... <laughs> That'll put you on someone's bad side. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. This, this, I mean, this theory says here that the violence that happens towards Maurice is actually a result of Belle's mixed feelings towards him mm-hmm. for marrying her off. Belle also imagines the castle of companions and blah, blah, blah. It goes on to talk about how she kind of uses the castle to... Um, fill in the gaps of what she's been missing throughout her lives. But yeah, so it talks about there how the violence that happens towards Maurice is is Belle's imagination that comes from her mixed feelings towards her father for marrying her off. I mean, I don't blame her. If I got married off to a man I didn't want to marry, I definitely would be having some hard feelings towards the person who threw a ring in my hand and shoved me out the door. Imagining your father being locked away? I'd probably just punch him, but I mean, <laughs> a lock and key works too. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, it's pretty loaded, but I think that when it comes down to it, I mean, I would, I would, I'd, I'd bet on it. You'd bet on it? I'd bet on it. What do you think, Sydney? I'd bet on a variation of it, but I still want my fairy tale to stay intact. But yeah. I would love, I would love to see a someone take this concept and turn it into a spin-off movie. Like we've seen with so many other famous movies, I would love to see this go to the silver screen and see what somebody could come up with. That'd be pretty with. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we think about my theory about oh, the townspeople? Yeah. What do we think about my theory? I, knowing Disney, I would have to bet on your theory because even in their live action movie, they alluded to the townspeople also being under some sort of memory curse and some sort of 
um, uh, effect, ripple effect from what what the what what is she a mistress? Enchantress? Oh, an enchantress. <laughs> mistress is a bad thing. She's somebody's mistress, <laughs> just not in this story. Anyway, like I was saying. Probably right. Uh, who knows? That's, I I they would should do a movie on the enchantress. I think. They, we'll do like a backstory. Have, yeah. but like an indie, independent film. Um, hmm, I'm gonna look that up. Um, but uh, I would bet on Sydney's theory. It just fits into the Disney culture more, and it also uh, adheres to the live action where the enchantress, uh, her curse ripple effect to the townspeople, and that's why they don't know of a castle because she hid it from them with the curse. So they have no idea. They don't remember having a king or any of the people who are in the castle. They have completely forgotten them, and they're just doing their business as usual. So for them to be in a place of stasis kind of makes sense because what in Sleeping Beauty, the whole castle was kind of under a curse of stasis. So I can see how that would be a thing in that small town that's in such close proximity to the castle itself. So I would definitely bet on Sydney's theory. I mean, it makes it makes the most sense in consideration to Disney's nature. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got to say, like, something needs to explain the fact that the villagers are so kind of, like, oblivious. Do you know what I mean? Well, it kind of does in the new live-action movie of Beauty and the Beast. If you remember in the beginning, Belle interacts with one of the townspeople in the beginning of the movie, which we later find out at the end of the movie is actually Mr. Potts, Mrs. Potts's husband. Oh, but if you yeah. listen to that dialogue and think back to that dialogue, she's like, hello, monsieur. monsieur. Blah, blah, blah. Hello, sir. Gaston. <laughs> Gaston. Hello, monsieur. 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 Hello, dude. Mister? Are you? Hello, mister. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hello, mister. Are you misplaced? Did you misplace something or did you lose something? And he looks at her and he's like, you know, I can't remember. I I feel like I'm missing something, but I can't remember. That's it right there. And if yeah. you then put that connection at the end of the movie when he runs up and it hugs his wife and hugs his son. It's broken. That's what he re- couldn't remember. Right, that's what he was trying broken. so hard to remember and knew he was missing something, but he couldn't figure out what. That's so So good. that's kind of confirmation in and of itself that the theory is true almost in the sense that the townspeople were cursed not to remember, but... The theory then kind of speculates with the fact that they were frozen in time. Which, if you also look back to the beginning of the movie, like I said, Belle knows exactly where to walk. She knows exactly who's going to do what. She knows exactly what's going to be on the baker's tray. It's all these things that if it happens the exact same way every single day, for all we know, the townspeople are reliving the exact same day every single day. day. It's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. It really is. And it's Once Upon a Time, if you look back on the hit TV series that is going to be ending up, wrapping up its seventh season and the end of the show, before the main character came, the town was frozen in a time loop where they were living in the same year, same day almost, and never even noticed. Mm -hmm. So it's very possible that Disney is just groundhogging people. (laughs) (laughs) Groundhogging people. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'd bet on your theory. I think it makes sense. I think it works. And I, I can see Disney kind of saying, yeah, yeah, we back we back this. We do this on purpose. Do you ever wonder if they do things not on purpose and then all these crazy conspiracy theorists 
come up with these ideas. And, and they're, they're just like, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did we that. We totally planned that. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I really think that the family ties theories, some of those, like the ones where that where the guy on Reddit or somewhere said that like he, he said something along the lines of like the exact way that Tarzan, Anna, Elsa, and uh, their parents and everything were all related mm-hmm. um, through crashing. I think that was totally... They were just like, they just weaved it all together. It just made sense. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I can't say that, that that was definitely planned out from the beginning with Tarzan. Sometimes the most creative people are the ones obsessed with the movies. Hey, no, you're right. You're right. Maybe fans should write the movies. Fans do write the movies. Hmm. Oh, now you're right. Think about it. True. I mean, what? Explain this to me. You're not going to go and make a movie, something that's going to take up so much time of your life if you're not a fan. Oh, okay. Think yeah, about all of the passion and time and effort that goes into a movie. If you could care less about it and you're not a fan of it, then why are you going to waste all your time and waste all your efforts on that? Yeah, money's True. nice, but you got to have passion in your work. True. Think about the new Star Wars movies that are coming out. The directors of these new Star Wars movies are self-proclaimed Star Wars fans. Yeah, they grew up on the movies. Exactly. Right. In most cases, directors and crew members are fans. Foreshadowing. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, Gabor, you got anything else for us? Uh, I think Disney purposefully leaves breadcrumbs so that we can have conversations like this. Mm. I think they don't have any theories of their own other than possibilities like i think their big conspiracy is that they plant things conspiracy worthy so they'll tweak something this way tweak something that way listen to the buzz of the people maybe even they hire guys like the guy on reddit to go up there and start stirring the pot because you know that just fuels their business so they're like yo dude go post something on reddit make it sound right and then we'll put some more breadcrumbs in our movies so people actually buy into it. What if they just have a whole team of conspiracy theorists to come up with the theories as the movies go along? And every time yeah. they come up with an idea for the movie and they trash it, they give it to the conspiracy theorists so that way they can start like doing their little magic and spreading it around and everything. Uh-huh. Mm. Or they just like hear a conspiracy theory and in their next movie they throw something in there just for kicks and giggles. Like, oh, they're going to love this. Right, yeah. I imagine that, like, when they're making the movie, they just kind of, like, throw something in there. Like, they don't really necessarily, they're not like, yeah, this is a thing. But they're like, it could be. Yeah. And they know the fans are going to go wild about Mm -hmm. it. Right. That's kind of even foreshadowing to a future podcast of ours as well. Mm Mm-hmm. All the foreshadows today. Well. Spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. Groundhogs see their shadows, too. Groundhogs do see their shadows. Sometimes. Groundhog Day. So many shadows all the shadows all right well thanks for tuning in everyone again we are disnerds we are so glad that you stopped by to listen to us gab on and on and we hope you turn in next week for our next podcast we'll be having another guest with us so we hope you liked this one say goodbye to deborah we're gonna miss her i'm sure bye. thank you for coming by bye deborah bye see you guys awesome well this wraps up our, our, our segment today sure does cool well anything else sydney Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Okay, great. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, tune in, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.